In the push to automate repetitive tasks, procurement shops and statistical offices have led the charge in adopting machine learning. Agencies as varied as the Census Bureau and the Homeland Security Department have streamlined their workflows. But to build momentum on this effort, agencies are still waiting on a new data-centric job series from the Office of Personnel Management. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has more. The Trump administration's vision for machine learning and artificial intelligence is to make federal employees more productive by cutting out repetitive tasks. And so far, there's plenty of low-hanging fruit for agencies to tackle. William Groom works in the Department of Homeland Security's Office of the Chief Technology Officer as its Technical Engineering Portfolio Manager. Speaking at a recent AFCIA Bethesda event, he said DHS's procurement office is piloting nine AI procurement solutions. Groom said these pilots work by scanning the Contractor Performance Assessment Reporting System, or CPARS. It's a database that reports on the past performance of federal contractors. From there, these AI solutions would pull the most relevant information related to our procurement for contracting officials. Groom said the goal of the pilot is to reduce the overall time for a procurement while maintaining consistency. Because right now, Groom said that contracting officers spend too much time searching through too much information. For them, it's extremely difficult for contracting officers to get the information they need from the contract performance assessments and reporting system. It's a very monotonous type job in the sense that contracting officers have to download individual files one by one, assess those contracting assessments, but also there's incredible risk involved as a human, whether it be bias, whether it be just missing data. Meanwhile, the Census Bureau is using automation and machine learning tools to better sort through data from more than 100 different statistical surveys. Zach Whitman is the Bureau's chief data officer, and he said these tools will help break down data barriers and even improve data privacy. Historically, we've operated in silos where certain program areas would handle a certain number of these surveys. Their capture, their instrumentation, their processing, and their dissemination was all handled separately. That's fine for a period of time, but at scale, at an enterprise scale, it becomes really hard to manage You have all these different instruments floating around, interacting with different people that can cause conflicts with your frames, which then leads into the processing and making sure that we can uh, ensure privacy is another problem. Because if you have all of these individually siloed systems processing data without knowledge of the others, then we can provide the opportunity for database reconstruction, which is where if you take a number of variables, you can then recombine them to re-identify people, which is something that is counter to our entire mission. We are unique in our data collection because we protect the privacy of our respondents. The Bureau's automation efforts fall along three lines of effort, capture, processing, and dissemination of data. And as part of this project, Whitman said the Bureau is also committed to improving its end-user experience for people who rely on its data. It's not like Google where you already know what you're trying to do and you can kind of ferret your way through it. Oftentimes people don't know what census has. The breadth of the information is quite varied and people think, well, you do decennial, that's it. No, we do a lot more. And so how do you get people to translate into information that they might not know about but would be very valuable to them? That's where a lot of our AI is coming into play, not only with our search services but also with our user engagement. We get a lot of feedback right now and our operational model is we want to generate our applications through feedback. So when people write us and they say, I like your application or I hate your application, We need to be able to classify what they like, what they don't like, who they are, why they're coming to us, and what we can do to improve their experience. In order to get the ball rolling further on AI, machine learning, and automation, the Office of Personal Management and the Office of Management and Budget are working on a government-wide job series for data scientists. It's unclear when that guidance will come out, but Whitman said the Bureau is moving ahead with a data science reskilling effort. 
based on the success of that rescaling effort, OMB has plans to scale that project up government-wide. But in describing this pilot, Whitman also touched on a familiar concern about these and other reskilling efforts. We're going to be training these folks, but they go back and they still have the same management team. They still have the same day-to-day responsibilities. They need airspace. They need cover from their management team to let them try to apply these skills rather than just go back to their tactical day-to-day grind. Because if you don't, they won't have that applicability. And then you just build a pipeline out to Google and Facebook and Microsoft to go and, you know, take those skills elsewhere. We want to keep those skills in-house and build from them. But then also we need to make sure that tooling is available. So we need to have, you know, spin-up, spin-down cloud compute uh, environments so that they could easily build big models and run them. Meanwhile, the Trump administration released a report Wednesday highlighting both the White House's rollout of AI policy and the specific AI programs that agencies have stood up in the past year. For more on the report's release, I spoke with Cameron Cherry, the Chief Technology Officer and Vice President for Engineering at Dell Technologies Public Sector. Here, Cherry said the content of the report, which looks back on the past year of AI efforts under the Trump administration, isn't new or surprising, but does set an encouraging tone for agencies and industry. It's really important that I think all of us understand that when the government goes to implement these types of intrinsic embedded technologies, that we as citizens feel comfortable and confident that they're being applied in the most positive of ways to really improve the quality of services offered us as citizens and constituents. So a few key things in the report that I would highlight that I think are very, very positive is the implementation of the governing rules, the five rules that were implemented as far as the the vision and the priorities of how we're going to be implementing AI, really the guiding principles, so to speak. Uh, I think that's the first thing of note that I think is a complement to how the government is moving as aggressively as they can, given the compliance environment that we work in on a daily basis, but now setting a framework for how the technologies get implemented. It really does help provide some great guidance for the government. I think the second thing that is also rewarding, I think, for us is the number of agencies involved in the advancement of the AI R&D elements and deployment. And when you look at that cadre of agencies, you know, from Department of Energy, VA, Health, DARPA, NSF, you know, you've got some of the brightest minds of our country focusing on the right things, I think, at the right time. To your point about all these agencies working under one roof on this, uh, Energy, VA, DARPA. Uh, what's the value of all these agencies really kind of collaborating together on the, uh, the way forward on AI? The collaboration allows the government to deconflict duplicity, right, so that you can make sure that people are focused on solving new and interesting problems but not doing it in silos or vacuums, but rather creating this broad community that is collaborating across this common topic of artificial intelligence, which really, as we know today, is not really new. It's kind of an old thing that's been coming for the last 30 years. But it's allowing, I think, better coordination, which increases the quality of how the money is invested and spent that the government puts there. It increases the quality of the output that we get through this collaboration, and more importantly, It's about the lessons learned. It's about that information sharing and the lessons learned that we get from being able to collaborate in this cross-agency manner. And we see time and time again, whether it's 
The DOD is a great example how DOD has moved to a lot of joint missions. They're doing things more collaboratively. We're seeing nothing but positive outcome the more we collaborate across those information spectrums and the different approaches and creativity that each one of those agencies bring to the problem set. And circling back to you know the points you were making about DOD and earlier in the conversation about the five governing rules or principles that DOD formally adopted earlier this week, what's the value of having kind of these rules of the road in place for this technology that is for the most part, still very much emerging and still very much changing exponentially on a daily basis. What I think is intriguing about the guiding principles is it's really about focus. Because as you can well imagine, right, AI is such a broad technological area in the spectrum. It's good to have focus on the things we know we can solve for. And then more importantly, what the government's expectation is of how we're going to apply them in this fair and open manner that really abides by the the foundations of what our company lives by, which is creating technology that really drives human progress. So I think those guiding principles are extraordinarily important so that we understand what our goals and objectives are as we apply this technology in the real world. And I, I think they just set a great operational framework so that we have focused investment focused solutions and focused problem solving in that area. So I think there's an extraordinary benefit to those guiding principles. Jory Heckman, Federal News Network. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.